welcome one and welcome all. Tonight we're live on Berry Flow Upstream number 113. I, I, I kind of hate that I have to say this, but the title of today's episode is BBM Baby <laughs> with Alex Bass of Cyberbytes Inc., Blaze Editor-in-Chief over at Crackberry. Um, how you both doing today? Really well. Good. Just yeah. relaxing. Been an all right weekend. I like weekends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> today is Monday's coming. And I hate Mondays. Come Mondays on. Terrible. Yeah. Fun. I took a three-day weekend myself just to kind of <clears throat> catch up on a certain game that we don't mention anymore. But uh, <laughs> you know, definitely been an interesting week here. I've been jamming out to a new tune, guys. It's it's this leaked demo track written and produced by Lana Del Rey back in 2011, which I think it's really important to all of this news, right? 2011 was kind of like a better time for BlackBerry in terms of like the social presence that they had. And the fact that Lana Del Rey had a song that is... Uh, I, I might play it here in a little bit, just a little portion of it, but uh, <laughs> I don't want to get any copyright errors or anything like that, but it, the song itself is its really BBM kind of related. If you if you check out the lyrics and things like that, what do you guys think the impact of this type of leaked song has in terms of BBM's perception anywhere. I mean, does it even... I mean, it's kind of weird that the post even shows up in the news feed, let alone on Crackberry. Like, Blaze, uh, what, what significance <laughs> did you find here to go ahead and post it? Well, I mean, it just basically, like you said, even though it comes from, like, 2011, it still shows that there's interest out there. Like, there's been people that have been essentially waiting for this track to <laughs> leak out. And whether or not that speaks to anything towards BBM, I doubt it. But, you know, it, it, it's more towards, like, Lana Del Rey's following, but at the same time, it just goes to show you there's still social influence across BBM and everything like that. Like, I don't know if BBM is essentially the highlight of, of you know, the track leaking itself for the majority of people, but it's still something for us BlackBerry users to go ahead and appreciate as well, right? Like, oh, she, she's talking, she's totally talking about BBM in this song. So, I don't know. It's one of those things where it comes across as somewhat newsworthy. I mean, it's not, you know, it's not exciting news. Like, I don't wake up in the morning and hope that a Lana Del Rey track about BBM leaks every single day. <laughs> but it's still interesting to see that that comes out. And, you know, at that point in time, just because of the fact that it has BBM even in the title and they're talking about it, it, it creates conversation about BlackBerry and BBM. Although it's debatable whether the whether or not that's you know negative attention or positive attention in this case because I mean look at the lyrics it's totally about sexting on BBM so <laughs> yeah that's that's kind of the the interesting point though I find that it's not something and you mentioned this in your in your little write up for the for the track and I thought it was very kind of on the nose is that this isn't the first time and it won't be the last time that we hear any kind of Blackbird related reference in music. And we see that throughout, and it kind of goes to show BlackBerry's social influence both then and now, you know? The fact that there is still, you know, it is still a catalyst in the news in terms of pushing the name BBM out there. BBM is still used by hundreds of millions, you know? So keeping that all in mind, I think it's a very interesting kind of piece to come out, and that the fact that, as Blaze mentioned earlier, too, like a lot of the fan base that Lana Del Rey has have been waiting for these tracks to leak. And slowly but surely, years later, the music comes out, and this is one of those other songs. So... Kind of interesting, nonetheless. What do you guys think of uh, 
Alex, I wanted to hear some of like your input on this. Do you think any of this has like any uh, social justice for BBM? Like, does it bring it forward in any way in the eyes of any, or is it just another thing that kind of should maybe shouldn't have happened? No, I, I it's one of those things I don't think really it matters too much, but um, that's also because part of me is pumped for Elo possibly coming out tomorrow. Um, so we'll see, we'll see. I don't think it really changes anyone's mind about like using BBM, like this unreleased song, or like I don't, I don't know. It's funny, it's interesting, but I think that to me at least, that's all it is. Here's the transition point in the conversation, right? It's it's if we look at BBM and that conversation, and you're bringing up Aloe and things like that. I find it kind of odd that BBM isn't going out there and doing a little bit more in terms of trying to bring up the awareness around what BBM is. I say that while I look at BBM's Twitter, and if you take a look at it yourself, you're going to see that they've basically gone on a gauntlet of creating these images that represent individual features that the app has, be it you know private chats, be it timed messages, retraction. And if you look at the, the media assets that they're producing, mm. a lot of the people that you see inside of these graphics are clearly kind of tailored toward the demographic that BBM is most strong in, that Asia's Pacific region, etc. So it's very, very interesting to see the strategy really start to change. We see this BBM discovery tab. We see the way they're marketing BBM. We see, obviously, things like the BBM channel, you know, desktop web admin back panel edition with that new invite for, you know, buy posts. It gets kind of interesting when they're really kind of doubling down on how they're going to go about making money off of BBM. And I think a song like this right, when it, right now when it does is definitely interesting nonetheless because while this song may have not seen the light of day for a while, we really don't know what the, what the path forward is for, for BBM and where they're going to take it. Do you guys still find yourself using BBM on a pretty like daily basis even, or is it maybe every other day? I find myself slowly and slowly and slowly using it a little bit less and less, mainly because, again, yeah. the contacts aren't necessarily all there. But what, is, what are you guys' experience? Because I still check in, but more as a, mm -hmm. you know, a habitual thing. Yeah, I mean, me personally, I've actually been using SMS. Like, it sucks because a bunch of my friends are on iPhone, so I'm using SMS a lot, so like Textra, and then I'm also using WhatsApp more and more simply because it's like I'll kind of bug one of my friends who I'm texting like my friend like she was in Canada yesterday and I sent her a couple text messages and she mentioned she was in Canada I was like oh shoot like this is not a good idea then and I was like man I wish you had like WhatsApp or something and she was like oh I do have WhatsApp so then I started now I WhatsApp her so it's kind of like this weird little thing where it's tough to be like like, I doubt she would ever be like, oh, yeah, I have BBM installed on her iPhone. It's But, like, WhatsApp, there's a higher chance of it happening. So it's really just this core group, like, you guys I talked to on BBM, my family. So we have, like, a family group chat uh, when we let the dogs out, feed them, whatever. We kind of message in the chat, like, hey, just let the dogs out or just fed them. Um, but it's very, like, specific things that it's like, okay, I want to talk to this person, so I know I use BBM for them. I use WhatsApp for them. I use SMS for them. And it is kind of you know, confusing, and sometimes I'll, like, text message the person I should have BBM'd, and, like, it's, I don't know. Yeah, that happens a lot with my, my buddy who's on a Z30. He'll text me sometimes and then BBM me some other times, yeah. and it gets really, like, I'm like, dude, why? Yeah. Boys, what, what's your experience with BBM? Are you using, like, other services like Slack or WhatsApp or even Facebook Messenger? And in turn, does the hub help you kind of aggregate any of that if you are? Yeah, actually, I mean, we use... 
slack all the time basically for work purposes and stuff like that but when it comes down to my personal use um, I still use BBM and oddly enough Facebook Messenger as well because um, for some reason my kid likes to use Facebook Messenger more so than anything else um, if he's not placing video calls then he's just sending me messages through Facebook I guess it's mainly because it's like one of the one of the main services that we essentially allow him to go ahead and use because we can keep track of it. Like him and his mother both have our his logins and stuff like that. So I guess that's one reason as to why. But um, you know, it, it, I have maintained all of my groups and stuff like that on BBM, but I don't necessarily interact with the groups as much as what I once did. And I don't, of course not, because BlackBerry or BBM rather hid it in God knows where on that side menu, you know. That's a good point because I was oh I was gonna say like I don't necessarily know why I don't interact with the groups anymore, whether or not you know it's just a personal thing or a time thing or what. But maybe it is because of the fact that they hid it and buried it. Now I didn't actually give much thought about it. Um, but yeah, I do I do certainly find that I don't use groups as much. One-to-one -one conversations, uh, I still tend to use those quite a bit. Um, but when it comes to like using using groups, I, I definitely am self-aware of the fact that I don't use groups as much as I once did. Even though those groups are still maintained by the people who are in there, it's just I, I'm more likely to go ahead and have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with the individuals that are in those groups rather than actually just conversing within the group itself, um, which I don't know. Like you, like you said, maybe that is the reason as to why I, I don't do it as much anymore. They kind of kind of buried it with the last update. BBM is one of those weird things, man. I mean, I really like that they're adding that buy now feature. I think that's smart. Uh, you know, in my little write up for this for this this podcast, I was like, finally, you know, this is something we should have had a while ago. Let alone like finally bringing it around now. One of the things is I feel like. It's three years later, and we're starting to get things we asked for forever ago. You know, like we're starting <laughs> to get BBM video right now. Maybe we can get it cross-platform with BB10 included, right? That'd be nice. But we're starting to see like BlackBerry kind of look back and hear that user feedback echo, and a lot of that's coming forward. And I think that's an important thing for the community to 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 be vocal still because input now, especially through this transition to Android, it's going to be so important that. One, it's heard, and that one, they're using it. I want to give a quick shout-out to BlackBerry kind of for that reason, at least on the social side, reposting one of the photos that we've posted on our Instagram. I think that kind of fan service is really smart for them to continue to do where they're reaching out to the base of users that already support them and then use that to help sell your message. I think that's so wise. And the BlackBerry of old probably would have... Well, the BlackBerry of old didn't even have an Instagram, right? <laughs> Get that like laid out first, let alone use it effectively as a way to connect with people. Uh, I see them in the comments, you know, talking like, "Hey, visit Shop Blackberry, you know, go check out this deal. This phone may be best for you." Like that kind of social engagement, super positive. So I'm glad Blackberry's doing it. I'm glad they got their domain name. I know we've talked about that before in terms of like Blackberry Studio on Instagram and then getting the actual handle for it. Some really just interesting stuff going on overall. But I'm thinking. If BlackBerry were to go ahead and do something with BBM, right, this messaging platform is pretty good. It has timed messages. It has PayPal integration, Glimpse, the fact that you do have groups, channels, and all these other aspects. I'm kind of 
myth as to why BBM isn't doing better in the marketplace. Do you think like there's anything that they could do to kind of bring it full circle back in the United States or are SMS, iMessage, and you know, soon, maybe soon to be Allo kind of eating all that space so that there's no room for BlackBerry and that them moving their focus to a market like Indonesia or you know the, the Western Hemisphere is just a better move for them overall. Like, what do you guys sure. really think? Is there is there momentum enough for BlackBerry to be in the U.S. market with BBM? No. They basically need to take the application, rename it something else that doesn't follow BBM or BlackBerry, and release it as some sort of application that was created in like Indonesia or something like that. They. <laughs> As terrible as that sounds, that's that's how you, how you they could essentially go ahead and get momentum with it. Give it a a little bit of, of a UI change. Drop BBM, the actual name. Drop BlackBerry from the creator of the application and submit it to, you know, the Google Play Store and the iTunes Store, and there you go. That's how you would help essentially BBM take off <laughs> by not calling it BBM. <laughs> Right. It's such such a bad just people don't want to use BlackBerry products at certain points and like that's it. It's it's unfortunate, but that's there's still sentiment across some of the uh the uh, the user base that where they just don't want to use anything that is labeled BlackBerry. What if BlackBerry did another name change? Like <laughs> No, like I'm dead serious. Like once they get their their whole ecosystem and they're more in the IoT space and the hardware is, you know, whatever. What if they did another name change and BlackBerry became like maybe a, an umbrella, such as Research in Motion was to a degree, right? It'd be kind yeah. of interesting that, you know, imagine a structure organizationally where BBM is part of BlackBerry. And it's not that hard because it kind of already is, right? Yeah. More standalone business units kind of, but with their own. And and that kind of uh, cultivation in terms of like a startup culture that they could have there could be really really beneficial for them. In our in our live chat right now, which you can check out out on YouTube for the stream, is uh, Lewis Cross actually says I use a lot of S SMS still. Having SMS integration in BBM would be perfect, and that may be another additive to maybe a rebranding or you know a restructuring yeah. that would be beneficial. What about you, Alex? I mean, you're kind of all over the place. Do you? Yeah. Well, I mean, so it's kind of interesting. So, well, like, I hate to interrupt Alex, but yeah. I want to let everyone know, just to give you context here, Alex uses three different web browsers for different <laughs> specific tasks. So when he tells you something, yeah. it's probably the most efficient way you can go about it. So, Alex, tell us your setup right now. So, well, I mean, there's a couple of things that you guys were talking about that I, I kind of wanted to bring up. So, uh, Alex, his computer crashed, I think. <laughs> I think so. He lagged out hard there for a while. <laughs> All that pent-up energy about what he was about to say. <laughs> the sad thing is, is that it was probably really great and informative, and now he missed his moment. Nobody's going to care anymore. <laughs> He'll come back like guns blazing, no doubt. But Sean, Sean mentions here on our live chat as well that it's all about perception, James. The name BlackBerry and BBM screams old. To, yep. to non-users, and I think that's a really important thing. Again, but could you not address that that qualm with a little bit more marketing? You know, just like BlackBerry isn't dead. Can you redefine a brand at this slate in the game? Like, I mean, that's kind of the point I'm 
I'm waiting to see. Like, is Blackberry ever going to go back and try to bring everything full circle for Blackberry itself, or are they going to make the balance sheet look pretty and kind of dip out? I know Toronto Star did an article talking about how you know Blackberry doing better speaks more loudly to a potential buyout in the future. And we've seen what John Chen did with Sybase, right? So no need to swing back there, but you guys can understand that when things look good for a company in rebound, absorption becomes kind of like the market play next, right? Do you think Blackberry is really just gearing up for something like that, like an exit in the market entirely in terms of you know, being a standalone company, or do they want to fold into another big player and really no, I don't think you add? I don't think they're gearing up for it, but, they, I mean, John Chen has made no bones about it. If somebody comes to him with the right amount of zeros on the end of a check, he's ready to let it go. You know, he's, he's basically, he, he stated he has his fiduciary responsibility to go ahead and listen to any offer. So I don't, I don't think that it's something that they they have set in motion, like they're not, you know, trying to go ahead and reach a certain point where the financial uh, stability in the organization is, you know, a, 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 a portion of them being able to go ahead and say, look, we made this much money, buy us now. I think it's more along the lines of we're going to keep doing what we're doing to go ahead and get it right and get everything, you know, all the ducks in the row and get everything set up the way that we want it to be set up. And if somebody happens to come along who is willing to go ahead and write that many zeros on a check, then, you know, that's when they'll they'll look at those opportunities. But I don't think they set out to be able to go ahead and be bought out, but, you know. Yeah, when the numbers, you know, when the when the money hits the table, it's a different piece. Yeah, Alex, exactly. you were geared up, yeah. man. I, uh, I was so ready. My computer yeah, just crashed yeah. randomly. Um, but yeah, so one of the main things I was going to bring up is if you look at something like Snapchat and how big it is in the U.S., like literally every single person you know probably has it or has used it at one point in time. Um, but then you look at a country, you look at other countries, and specifically like China, there's a competitor that recently came out called Snow, and it's taken the it's just taking storm over there and there's no snapchat so it really doesn't matter how big say bbm is and maybe india or other segments that means absolutely nothing to the us and a picture that i always want to come back to is this picture here and that is essentially like um, it's showing that facebook messenger like destroys in the us and then uh, whatsapp is pretty much everywhere else so like that is the reason why whatsapp was per or WhatsApp was purchased by Facebook because essentially it covered everywhere that Facebook didn't cover. So I think it's so difficult to be like, is BBM ever going to come back or is there some way that we can get it to come back and like if it's big in, in this area, can it come back to the US? I think it's dead in the US. Like, And when I say dead, I just mean like you can have 100 million users in the US and still consider dead. Like it, it, This is kind of the point that we're at. So do I realistically see BBM getting to a point or something that BlackBerry can do to get to a point? I don't think so. Um, and then the only thing, like, I have I have some hope for Allo, but I'm, it's really like a 20% hope that it'll be successful. And that's because they have, you know, 1.6 billion users on Android. And if they could some way make it come default on the phone, which you might have some problems with, like, Monopoly. Like, you can't always just choose, hey, here's our new service. We're going to have it come default on the phone because now you're in Monopoly territory. It's supposed to be an open source ecosystem, so you can't go forcing your apps on people. That's dangerous. So I don't really know what's going to happen with that, but do I think BBM is going to be the one that's successful or a brand new app 
like Allo. I think Allo has a better chance. That doesn't mean that BBM isn't useful in other market segments. It doesn't need to be successful in the U.S., and that's fine. And that's where I'm kind of torn by all of it. It's it's just it's too late at this point in time. And I love for the BBM. U.S. market. <laughs> yes, for the U.S. market. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that. I love BBM too, man. Like, I think it's a really good messenger. Like, I haven't really found a need to move a lot of my conversations elsewhere, or at least my more, you know, engaging and dynamic conversations elsewhere because it it does what I need it to, right? In terms of, I've gotten most of my family on it. You know, everyone knows how to work it and all that stuff, and it it seems to integrate well. If if perception is the problem, and that's what we're hearing a lot about in our in our chat today, if perception's the problem, like what do you do to change it, right? Perception begins in people, right? You got to go out to people and make sure th- what they think, the important people, what they think is is changed, right? Because if the fundamental problem with BlackBerry is that you know perception is reality and people don't believe that BlackBerry is here or doing anything yeah. worth their time, then then there's no hope whatsoever. But if BlackBerry can do a, a any kind of campaign or any kind of even business outreach, you know, the way they, they work together and try to create partnerships. I mean, we hear at their conferences and their web events and things like that that we work better together, right? The last security conference sponsored by Windows and Samsung, like, if that's truly what you're about nowadays, I think aside from the enterprise and, consu- and you know, general markets that you serve, the same customers that you've been serving for the last, you know, X amount of years, or that same industry that you've been serving for X amount of years, how do you have and start a conversation that's sustaining to be able to address the larger part of the market, right? That's what Android is for your mobile play, right? Addressing that larger market. Your marketing and everything else about you needs to be able to match that. Otherwise, you're going to have an inconsistent platform to truly deliver your products, you know? And if BlackBerry can't get that on their own, that they need to go down to the person and actually change the perception of the individuals in a, in a dramatic way, then it's almost as if they're apathetic to their own problem at this point. And can just kind of driving down the hard line toward this enterprise you know, core platform going to be enough to really sustain this business long term? I wonder, like we get what's happening now, things like lawsuits, right? BlackBerry has 44,000 patents at least, right? And they're just now starting to defend some of them. It creates an interesting conversation for the business strategy BlackBerry is going at right now versus the one they're capable of scaling up into in the years to come. We hear a little bit about BlackBerry radar, this asset tracking stuff. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think like about lawsuits specifically? This is like the, the second lawsuit in the same week, basically. Like <laughs> uh, This one against Blue filed over here in Florida, and, Black, and BlackBerry does have a headquarters here in Florida, which is also kind of interesting over there in Sunrise. But what do you guys think? Do these types of lawsuits, is it more... Pride, or is it more money at this point? You know. Well, I mean, they they basically have to go ahead and defend their patents. They don't really have too much way around it. Like you have to go ahead and defend those patents legally. You're required to defend them, and you know, I don't I don't really see any problem with it. Is there probably some financial profitability attached to that? Of course. I mean, that's how how it it. it that's how the system is designed to be able to go ahead and and basically go after these people who are essentially using your patents. If they can't agree to terms, um, to to patent usage terms ahead of time, then you obviously have to go ahead and take care of them within the court system. And not everybody is so so willing to go ahead and make those agreements ahead of time, right? Um, 
I guess it really comes down to the the basic question is whether or not BlackBerry's trolling everybody with their patents, and I don't necessarily believe that's the case. BlackBerry isn't out there necessarily to be a patent troll. They're just basically going ahead and collecting what people have gone ahead and used and abused for a long period of time anyways, accordingly to the, the documentation. I mean, it still comes down to the courts to be able to go ahead and decide whether or not that is the legality of it all. Um, but BlackBerry believes that to be the case, and they have gone ahead and submitted these um, you know, proposals to people, and whether or not... In, in, especially in the case of of uh, blue products, where blue products didn't even respond back to their their any of their arguments, then you know what else? What else do you do at that point in time? You have to follow through with the litigation process. I mean, it'd be like if James stole five thousand dollars from me or whatever. If what am I going to do, right? I'm going to ask James for the money back and, you know, maybe we can make some sort of arrangement to get that money back and I don't call the cops on him. But if, you know, we can't come to that, then obviously I'm going to go ahead and call the cops and I'm going to get my money back. That's just the way the world why, works, why, right? Why, why are you airing our business out there, boys? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think patents are kind of an interesting thing and I'm curious, like, I don't know if all the audience knows, I'm sure you guys know, but um, I guess like FaceTime with Apple was actually planning on being totally open source cross-platform. Yeah. And the reason why it's not is because they infringed on a patent. So every single user that installs FaceTime, Apple has to pay some royalty out. So great for getting people on iOS and using FaceTime, but for them to open it up to Android, like that is a sh like that's a shitload of money that they'd have to pay out. Say that all of a sudden they got 500 million people to sign up on FaceTime. That's a lot of money they have to go and pay out. And they're like, is that worth it? Well, on iOS it's worth it because you're getting someone on your ecosystem and they buy a phone, it kind of pays for itself. It's in the cost of the product. Um, and then it, it just shows like where patents are really problematic when it comes to even innovation. So look at iMessage and they have this way that your phone number is tied in. So essentially as long as you have someone's phone number and if they have iMessage, it does a check on their server and says, this person is iMessage, I'm going to send the message instead of an SMS and send it as an iMessage. Well, apparently from people I've heard talking about it, they said that that is actually patented by Apple. So say if Google or BlackBerry or someone wanted to make an iMessage equivalent, they can't do it in a way where you send the message, it checks the server, should I send this as SMS or regular? So that's why like back in the day, Hangouts, you would have a user and you can choose, send this as a Hangout message or send as an SMS, but the user yeah. chooses it. So it's frustrating because like these patents are really screwing people over, but it, it's also like... I'm so torn on it because, like, it's always when you're fighting for it, I want, like, for the consumer, the end user, patents are kind of a bad thing. But for the company, like, you should be protected for what you do. But then there's also patent trolls, and it's it really is a difficult... Well, I mean, what it comes down to is that the whole patent system needs to be revamped. I mean, yes. I'm, I, I'm, I, at this point in time, I can say that BlackBerry isn't necessarily being a patent troll... But at the same time, I have to be able to say that like the whole patent system needs to be rehauled anyways. Because the patent system is the troll, you know? Yeah, it, exactly. Like It creates the ability for these people and organizations to go out there and basically attack anybody with very vague statements. Like You can go ahead and you can file a patent, and that patent doesn't necessarily have to be the broadest in terms. You could basically just pick the vaguest statement humanly possible and 
submit it as a patent and then start trolling people with it, right? Mm -hmm. But, I mean, it, when it comes down to it, I mean, I think that's, that's the real problem is that the patent system needs to be overhauled in, in totality in order for it to start making sense. But where do you even begin with that? I mean, that's, that's I, a whole other... I have a question for you about that because, like, patents in, say, like, biotech, so essentially there is, like, someone, they put in all the R&D, which is so damn expensive to get, like, a new drug, and I think they have a patent for, like, 15 years, but after those 15 years, then you start seeing all the general ones pop up. So, like, there is Advil, but now there's, like, you know, Topps brand and a bunch of other brands that are cheaper. Is it, I mean, is it different in technology? You, because you, from what I understand, you can keep changing the patent a little bit, like, every five years or however many years, and you keep it, but in the medical industry, isn't it a little bit different, or is it the same thing? Um, I don't necessarily know, but it's it, yeah, it's gonna be different because it, one is like they're gonna be the chemical, you know, makeup build of, it or, of yeah, whatever okay. medicine. So yeah. that you know, it's it's almost like I've learned your blueprint, and I can of yeah. course just replicate it. Even if you change it, you know, unless you're adding new things, then I'll have to wait for those the to roll out. Where with, it can be with technology, okay. a lot of these technology patents are per use. So, like, if you look at the FRAND terms and what BlackBerry basically offered them up, they were like, we're going to give this to you as, like, an essential standard patent, you know? Like, this is a standard usage one that we, you know, we issue to everybody who wants to use these. They didn't go, like, and try to set up their own, you know, higher price or anything like that. They sent it under general use terms, basically. And with, as Blaze mentioned earlier, since Blue just didn't even respond, you know, of course they had to go forward with litigation. On the kind of broader sense of these patents, Alex, do you think that, with 44,000 patents, they're just trying to, like, make some money off of them. I mean, we got to look at BlackBerry's situation as well. If there is this kind of bank or rather vault full of, you know, potential <laughs> assets that are, you know, there's there's articles that suggest yeah. that the IP store is almost as valuable as the company itself and operational. Yeah. So, I mean, if they're not making money from it, what's the point almost? No, I think even for general perception, like, I mean, if, if any of you, if any of the people listening, like, if you haven't heard of, like, the Google Oracle uh, lawsuit, like, this is, like, one of the biggest lawsuits that, like, ever happened and is still going on, like, 10 years later. It's ridiculous. But people in their mind, like, they're like, okay, so Google and Oracle are still around, right? So if there are a bunch of lawsuits popping up and it's like, oh, wow, like, BlackBerry has a patent for this, like, this cool thing that now this company is doing or whatever, I think it makes BlackBerry relevant in a weird way. So even if they are trolling in some way, I feel like at least it makes people realize, oh, BlackBerry is A, BlackBerry's around, I didn't even know they're around, and B, like, maybe they are a little bit bigger than I was thinking. And, it, and as bad as it might be, I think it's also not bad for perception, really. Some people might look at it badly. Let, like let's, bad all, people, but. <laughs> let's all give a clap for Zipperstein, who's just killing it over there at BlackBerry. <laughs> Have we seen them lose? Question. Like, they, they don't get into anything that they're going to lose, you know? It seems well, that this... lost the BBX one. <laughs> that was pre-Zipperstein. Thank yeah. you. The interesting, thing, <laughs> the interesting thing is that I went through some of those patents. Now, I'm obviously no patent lawyer. I don't really fully understand the entirety of the patent system or anything like that. However, when I went through some of the patents that they were basically claiming against Blue, I noticed that a lot of them seemed to be more... In in line with like Android than anything else like they were basically using Blue's Android devices to say like okay this notification system that you this drop down in the notification system 
that you're using. You can't use that because we patented it. But it looked to me and my non-legal eyes as though it was just the Android notification system. I'm like, so wait a minute. If they're claiming a patent on these guys, does that mean that they're essentially going to go ahead and claim some patents on some others that may possibly be with in the Android ecosystem as well? Because, I mean, if you start... If you start with blue and you end up at like Sony and Samsung and everything else, then that's that's kind of crazy. That's getting into like trollish territory. <laughs> but I don't know, man. It was kind of interesting. Like I said, a lot of them seemed like they were more related to Android and how Android looks versus anything else that blue was doing in terms of, you know, laying out their devices or using anything internally that would be against BlackBerry's patent. It's all very interesting to me. If you look at the kind of serviceable market that Blue was going into as well, it's even more interesting because it seems like they're they're obviously charging for damages, substantial revenue gained while using, well, you know, that kind of syntax there. But if we look at kind of where Blue was it's in a lot of these markets that BlackBerry used to kind of command, you know, a lot of these cheaper uh, demographics that BlackBerry's going after. So it's just really interesting to see. Maybe it's more of a, a regional kind of attack on here as well. I I'm still interested in seeing like how these uh, Amazon phones work. Those Amazon Prime phones that you buy and have that Amazon yeah. ad on the front of the yeah. lock screen and stuff like that. And you get prompted as such, and you can get them pretty cheap, right? Decent phones for like $49.99. I mean, yeah. and that takes that, that takes a DTEK50 and makes it look like, you know, a super premium type of device. <laughs> now, when we talk about like the DTEK50 Blaze, are you still using yours? Yep. You know, it really has grown on me more so than I thought it would. I told you, man! <laughs> like, I still like the heft and the battery of the Priv, but there's just something that's so like basic about it, and it, it feels like I'm holding a Z. Maybe it's just my mind, like I'm just uh, selling myself into the fact that it's a Z30, but it's really not. <laughs> but uh, this is basically like a Z50 would be, you know, in terms of the build, in terms of everything else. Like aside from the disappointment on kind of which OS is running, I'm quite pleased with it, you know. Man, I don't care what anybody says. It's a, it's actually a nice device. Like yeah. I actually enjoy using it. Like I. He, I'm like I said last last podcast. Like I'm not saying it's the best device out there. Nobody in their right mind would say that. However, I'm saying that you can pick this device up and you can use it. You can use it for several days and not really have any complaints about it. It's just a good all around device. Yep. I mean, yeah. If if you're being super duper picky, I mean, if we gave this thing to Alex, Alex would be like. Well, this is wrong with it. This is wrong with it. This is wrong. You know, with it. I, don't I, like this. I even I don't think like Alex this. would. I even think Alex would probably like grow to appreciate the pros more than the cons. Right. In my and in right. my my period with the review that I've been working on for some time now, it's really kind of coming to that point for me where, as Blaze said, it's a pretty good phone, and it almost makes you realize how. Also, like maybe not mind blowing the priv is. You know, I guess that's a weird thing to say, but. The additive of the like the software keyboard on Android is nice. You get a lot of extra layers, but at the same point, 
you get a keyboard, and it, it's not even probably one of BlackBerry's best keyboards in terms of like the classic and the Passport and some of the older keyboard styles that we've seen. Just kind of an interesting uh, correlation to make there. What's weird is just the the weird, and, and I know we talked about this last podcast, so I hate to bring it back up, but just the weird differences between the OSs, because I'm using both these phones in tandem, and I'm like, wait a minute, this is not the same. Like It's different. For instance, on DTEK50, there's no picture password, right? And I don't know if that's a hardware thing. Like, I have no idea, to be quite honest. Maybe they can't tie that type of software into the boot chain that they've built or, or whatever. But on DTEK50, there is an ability to lock your device. Or basically, when you restart your device, it'll ask for your PIN code so that your device won't even turn on into its restart or re reboot without that secure code. And then you have to enter that code again when you hit the lock screen. So there's just like a double layer of security on a on off where Priv doesn't offer that and it's like there's so many weird little things like that you know, on these phones. There's something interesting with that though that I noticed. If you enable Android Pay on your phone, it doesn't let you use picture password. You have to like even using um, a pattern unlock which is less secure than picture password, but um, I found that kind of strange so then like a lot of my friends and family they use picture password um, but oh for, for instance Google Apps for Work, uh, if you set up your phone with that and you turn on two-factor authentication, they don't let you use, uh, unlock the, the BlackBerry pattern unlock, you have, or the BlackBerry picture unlock. You have to use the pattern or pin or like whatever. So maybe it's something so deep-rooted with an Android that it's like in order to enable like two-factor authentication security for like Google accounts and certain things like that with an enterprise, um, maybe BlackBerry, they just, it was too much work to get the clearance on that for that to work. So, like, a lot of my family and friends have been disabling it, not because they want to and they miss it, simply because for them to have the two-factor auth on the phone using, it's kind of tough to explain, but, like, when you go to log in with Google right now through Google Apps for Work, so your work account, you can have it so Google sends you a prompt where you just click no or yes, and that's, like, the two-factor auth, and it's a lot easier. But the only way to have that working on your phone you can't use BlackBerry's pad or a picture password. So I'm assuming it's probably due to something like that. I just feel bad for Darius, man. But did you guys catch what's going on with him in the chat, dude? Oh my gosh, terrible. So for for just for housekeeping here, Brandon is actually in Budapest right now. He's traveling, gonna go visit some family. He he's always yeah, he's always over. He's headed towards Spain, I believe, but he's over in Budapest right now, just kind of enjoying himself and rubbing bellies with statues, you know, normal Brandon type stuff. Um, <laughs> DJ BMO. How long it'll take before he gets arrested? <laughs> <laughs> Public intoxication uh, or whatever. It's uh, so that's a little bit of housekeeping on Brandon's side of the house, right? But on with Darius, Darius is working, and he I guess took his phone internationally and is getting like map locked or something. Basically, his phone was unlocked, but then like ununlocked while he was abroad. And now it's just totally locked to the carrier, and he can't get it unlocked to work internationally for him. So he's having some serious troubles there. So if anyone has any contacts, you know, up there with the BlackBerry Elite tech support team, let us know if you know how to get around one of those, and we'll try to get you connected with Darius because that must suck. That must be super frustrating. He had to pick up a, a beater, like a Samsung J1 smartphone, and I was like, oh, did you see the DTEK50 over there? And he's like, no. <laughs> So what's he using, or what was he using? He's using a Priv. Yeah, he was using an AT&T Priv, and basically uh, the carrier backend basically didn't 
registered his his uh, unlock for like a several hours. He was able to travel, use it, turn the phone off, turn the phone on, boom, it's locked out again. So he's having some some troubles getting it back. He's been on the phone with you know the carrier with BlackBerry. They're both pointing fingers at one another. Just just a mess. But I'm sure he'll get some some kind of a ratification there soon. If he just gotta keep knocking on the right doors. That kind of lock sucks though, especially if you need it for work and stuff. I know that's frustrating. I thought Blaze was going to be like, let me find the answer for you. <laughs> no, I wish I could. The unfortunate, right. I, the unfortunate thing is that I would just instantly blame AT&T. As soon as you said it was an AT&T proof, I'm like, that's AT&T's problem. Can't that's blame That's kind of how I feel, too. Right? Yeah, yeah I, I feel mean, like, honestly, it's probably the same. Like, just unlock the device. Maybe there's just a period. You know AT&T as well as I do, and I'm just like, Damn, that's totally an AT&T problem. <laughs> So, kind of interesting, guys. If we if we take a look at this, am I, is it quad rooter? Am I pronouncing that right, or is it not yeah. as simple as it? Is it quad rooter because it affects uh, quad core devices? Is that a uh, the well, logic? I thought, it, I thought it was quad rooter because there was four vulnerabilities, but <laughs> who knows? That would make more sense. <laughs> so obviously, BlackBerry was quick to patch this one, right? And in the in the article that they did, they kind of talk about how they were. There were areas of the firmware that were there that basically block out those permissions from being exploited, which is kind of interesting. And I don't know if that pays quote to the fact that this is an, a new exploit that's kind of just come about, just been revealed, and what to know in terms of the scare. But like this is ultimately a hardware problem, right? This is a Qualcomm issue before anything else. Am I correct in that understanding? Yeah, it's basically at the core, it's a Qualcomm problem. Not any one independent device manufacturer because it basically sticks within the Qualcomm processors. I think a point to make is that when these exploits come out, it doesn't mean I mean, you know, that it's been used either, right? We don't necessarily know the impact that it's it's had on mobile devices, period. So to speak on it, you know, from us is a little bit you know, needless at this point because we just don't know. There's so many aspects of it. The fact that we do know BlackBerry's pushed an update and gotten it out for DTEK 50 and Priv for the unlocked devices and, you know, trickling down the carriers and such, I think that's a really important piece. If you go to, like, a website that checks whether you have the exploit, even after the, uh, the you getting this patch, it's still going to show you have the exploit. And I, I don't know if that's just looking down at kind of what software on, you know, what... what uh what sock you're using or what, what the case may be, you know, but again, whether you're actually vulnerable or not is probably less of a conversation and more about, again, why Android continues to push out these updates, you know, every 30 days to keep people in the loop as to, you know, what some of those exploits are and patch them. One of the most important pieces with security is just the time, right? How long was the exploit out? How was how long was it available, and how deep into my data did they get, right? That should be some of your questions. Were you guys impressed with BlackBerry's response here, kind of beating out a lot of the other OEMs? Do you think that's kind of part of why you buy a BlackBerry Android at this point? Yeah, I mean, next Man. to Nexus devices, it's pretty... I mean, that's basically what they've been selling people on. So how could you not have taken the time to go ahead and get that stuff out there as soon as possible, right? That would be a little bit... I don't even know the, know the exact word for it, but, you know, 
they they basically have to go ahead and, and make sure that everybody is kept up to date when it comes to the security aspect of it. Here's here's one thing that I find absolutely hilarious about the whole security situation, though, is that okay, BlackBerry sells you these devices with the security intent in mind, and that's great. They keep they keep the updates coming. Uh, they fall in line with Nexus devices to keep the security updates and everything else like that. But at the same time, when these exploits are essentially found, most people lose their heads over them. You know, the sky is falling, whatever. Everybody goes all chicken little about it, about how their devices have exploits and this and that. And most of the time, the exploits, as you mentioned, James, were never actually in use to begin with. There's, like, proof of concept that this exploit is existent, but there is no proof that it has ever actually been put to use. Or, you know, in a lot of cases, the, the person who is looking to go ahead and make use of the vulnerability actually needs to have your device. Nobody, nobody pays attention to the finer details. Um, especially in the fact of, of Quadrooter, where basically Google, on their end, fixed it within the Google Play Store, so it essentially made 99% of the devices no longer vulnerable to it, at least through installing applications or anything like that, because they, they already had it covered. So it wasn't even necessarily applicable to 99% of the people, but everybody out there loses their mind over all of these different exploits and vulnerabilities that come up. And I just find that absolutely hilarious because on one hand, I mean, yeah, it's BlackBerry's selling point. It's one of the key highlights that we tell people, okay, BlackBerry's got your butt covered, you know, when it comes to security updates and everything like that, and they're on par with Nexus updates. But at the same time, when those exploits come out, you know, it, it's kind of like, well, they kind of don't matter anyways because they weren't ever actually in use. So, you know, it, it kind of makes you sound kind of hypocritical to be able to go ahead and say, you need to buy this device to be secure, but don't worry about it because 99% of the stuff is already secure at the same time. Like, you know what I mean? It, it's just kind of it's kind of a weird place to be in to be able to go ahead and, and highlight these things and suggest these devices to people. And I don't know, I just find that really, really strange. Yeah, it definitely is. And BlackBerry was was pretty vocal about we are the first to patch this kind of. And that that in and of itself is great. Like right, as Blaze mentioned, like it was probably not even a big deal anyway. When Checkpoint found this back in April, they let people know, right? So obviously Google and these others have known about this exploit for a while and have been working obviously to patch it and see what they can do to fix it. BlackBerry has some software on the back end called BlackBerry BID, Integrity Detection, and that background process is always running to keep an eye on the security and the privacy of your device via DTEC. And obviously app developers can start building into that and basically building into DTEC. And if you think about that concept of like an almost a, a DTEC that you can plug into, you can validate many, many layers of the applications, especially on the enterprise side where you aren't running as many applications and make sure that your device is 100% secure. These back-end system processes are definitely there to help mitigate some of the risks that you're going to encounter by exploits such as Quadrooter, which, again, just shows BlackBerry's got so many layers within this Android device and even BB10 that it is going to be pretty hard for real exploits to you know personally affect these people 
who you know ultimately are running devices that are affected. And I think both Priv and DTEK50 were affected uh, just based off the, the Qualcomm chip there. Alex, in terms of a nexus, right, this stuff is obviously going to get solved in their monthly security updates. Do you feel that there's a lot of value that comes with these updates? I mean, is that something that would keep you on BlackBerry? Like, let, for instance, my, if we phrase the situation in a way where Nexus didn't provide monthly updates and BlackBerry was really the only OEM going out of their way to do so, do you think that there would be more value added to the fact that BlackBerry is so on top of these, you know, this aggressive patching, or does it have more value for you, you know, otherwise in terms of just getting the software that Android comes with the latest? Well, it's a mixture. I think it's actually kind of funny that um, Nexus like seems big to us. People who know what's going on with Android, they know about Nexus, but normally Nexus Nexus is not sold in carrier stores. So I almost think that BlackBerry might be more well known in the Android space than even Nexus is. Uh, these upcoming Nexus devices, though, I think Google is actually going to be promoting them and pushing them, so that won't be the case much longer. But I do think that the average consumer, if they were like, I need a phone and I only care about security, BlackBerry's recommendation way over Nexus because you know a carrier store can't even sell Nexus, or they, they aren't right now. But a lot of this is probably going to change with this next device anyway. Um, I do think that is the main thing that BlackBerry has to focus on. Uh, I don't necessarily know if I... I personally like am worried that much about security. It's great to have these patches and things like that. I just want, I just want to get the patches in general. I don't necessarily need to get it the day that the patch comes out because, like, I think about it logically. What are the chances I'm going to end up getting that vulnerability and actually get like taking advantage of it in some way? And it's just so slim anyway. And I'm not doing anything crazy enough that would just make me be a target. So, I think it makes sense for certain people. Um, and probably much more than getting like an LG something or whatever, because many of these manufacturers are kind of saying they don't—they're not going to be doing updates, or they will be every like three months. And that's—I think—that's not enough. Hello, Moto. Yeah, they so. were just flat out like, nope, not yeah. happening. <laughs> we got snappy backs that we got to start building, guys. No <laughs> way we're getting a security update yeah. out. It—it's one of those things, and it's like. If BlackBerry really, really wants to push this this story of secure Android, where does the line draw between the profitability of that endeavor and then the viability of the, the brand that you're working with? You know, it's like, is there really a runway for BlackBerry to have a space on the Android camp, or is it more maybe important for them to take kind of the core underpinnings, the skeletal kind of connection points yeah. that they have of their version of Android, and then license that out to someone else, you know? Make yeah. your Android more secure and just pay us a royalty on your, your distribution, you know, as opposed to trying to make people buy their own distribution or creating their own distribution, maybe just yes. offer that to others. Like, Can I uh, get they on need, They need to convince people that security is important in the first place to begin with, and that begins a lot, a lot of that begins within the Android world. And I think that, I think that there's a lot of focus within, like I it sort of goes back to the conversation that I was having about everybody goes all chicken little and the sky is falling, you know, within the tech world and, and you know, we all read the scary headlines. So there are people out there that are obviously aware of the vulnerabilities that continue to happen within the Android ecosystem, but I think they need to sell people on on the, the fact that they can go ahead and, and basically 
take care of some of these vulnerabilities ahead of time. Like they don't, they haven't won anybody's trust yet, mm-hmm. you know. And, and fixing to me, when I look at the quadruter situation, that was that was nothing more to me than basically a step forward in proving that they can go ahead and fix these vulnerabilities and prove to the Android audience that they can go ahead and cover these things faster than anybody else. Like, I, mean, I wish Google would just hire BlackBerry to that's, do it. Yes. You know? like, yeah. for, for, like, a manufacturer should be able to hire BlackBerry, and they can, like, maintain and do that for them. Like, that could be a whole, like, software service kind of offering that they can just do for everyone. We've got that. Bla- we've got DTEC loaded, and it brings the whole stack of BlackBerry security to other OEMs. Boom, license. Yeah. Right. right and but to get there, they need to. They need to prove that that stuff actually works and that they can do it. Right. Well, so I want to bring this up because this this kind of ties a lot of things in. And what does that mean for Android N? You know, and stuff to come. That's, yeah. Well, there's a lot of stuff going on that maybe we don't necessarily know about. Chen right. was pretty loose-lipped when it came to, to. Android N and and basically saying that BlackBerry has a special project, but then he stopped. He he immediately stopped, and then so it makes you wonder what that special project is and what may be going on with Android N. Is it something that is just BlackBerry focused, or is it something you know that is more uh, Android focused? That and, and it could be that next evolutionary step to actually working with Google or whatever. Right? We don't know. But I mean, as far as I know, that they have something special coming with Android N. So, and this is something that is definitely going to be highlighted in our after show, gentlemen. I picked an article. It's a really interesting one that I saw earlier over on Google News, and it was talking about. Uh, it's from Tech Radar, and the, the headline reads: "We challenge Samsung and BlackBerry over their security Android, you know, their Android security claims." And both made statements to Tech Radar about, you know, what the security offerings are. And it's just a really interesting conversation that we will talk about more in the after show piece that we do. You guys want to want to clear anything else out? I mean, it's been such a droll week. I'm kind of getting bored, man. I need some BlackBerry action. Like now that DTEC 50 is here, I'm just like so into this review. And That's just... going to be the name of the next device, James. They're scrapping <laughs> DTEC. They're going to call it the BlackBerry Action. Right. Like I need you... some. For sure. <laughs> I, I kind of want to end with like a kind of question to you guys while also tying in a discussion I had with somebody. And James, I think I brought this up kind of in the very flow chat a little bit. Uh, I kind of got in this debate with my buddy who really likes Apple, and he kept bringing up these comparisons where it was showing like this percentage of the market is using Apple, this percentage is using Android, and then like this small, <laughs> tiny, tiny zero percent is using BlackBerry. And he's like, so like, what's BlackBerry doing anyway? Like, they they don't even exist, like whatever. And I was like, well, they're a software company now. Like, that's why they, they don't care about the hardware really much anymore. And he's like, well, what software are they producing? And like, this just opened up the box of worms because like, I love that we do upstreams. Like, I know everything about BlackBerry. I was like, dude, they do asset tracking, mobile device management. They're like 60 million cars. And like, you know, CarPlay, like you love Apple, right? Like, they're, they're buying from QNX, which is BlackBerry. They're just going through this whole thing. And then he kind of responds to me and he was like, um, you know, honestly... Like, I didn't know that BlackBerry Tech was across so many platforms, like, genuinely. He's like, it's really just been more out of, like, out of sight, out of mind mentality. So that was, like, really eye-opening to me where I realized, like, it actually seems like it's hurting BlackBerry's brand, the fact that they're even 
showing up in these charts. Like, screw the fact that they're showing up in these charts that, like, BlackBerry owns 0.001% of the market. Like, that's making them look worse than they are because they're now a software company, yet they're still being looked at as a hardware company. And that's another way for them to be looked negatively toward. So like, gonna, that's that's basically like why why they were so aggressive the past few months to basically say like we're a software company, although that aggressiveness sort of came at the time when they were releasing a new device, which is hardware. But yeah, but do the they need time. to fully get out of hardware? Like, is it like as much as we don't want them to, and as much as we've had these conversations in the past, like my eyes are kind of open now, and I almost feel like they should get out of so or hardware like entirely. Because so, it's almost like uh, negative, Alex. And here's the here's the here's the weirdest point about this DTech 50 device. Okay, it's that for the first time in 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 my history with BlackBerry, right? It finally feels like they are out of the hardware business. Like the DTech 50 feels like something that it, it isn't. You know, like it yeah. finally feels like it's this is not a BlackBerry in any okay. way, shape, or form. But I'm okay with it. You know. Okay. And and it really honestly, if you look at the, this is clearly a TCL reference design. TCL builds nice devices. What's Pat TCL on the back for? You know, coming to coming with you know coming to the game strong with this device, right? But all BlackBerry did was put a different backplate and logo on it, you know, and it's, load their software. Yeah, which is the key point. They load their software. And again, as Alex mentioned, software story, right? How do you sell people on not being a hardware player when you still make hardware? Right. It's again that perception conversation we were having earlier, where you really need to be more clear as to who and what you are in this market, because you can service people without necessarily having to be their go-to, you know, handset or, or whatever the case may be. Well, here's another thing. Here's another, I guess, open-ended question. Do you think any of the next devices, like that come out from BlackBerry, are going to be similar to the DTEC 50? in that they just basically take a reference design and leave it at that? Or do you think that it's actually going to be a BlackBerry design device? So we, we, we talked about this on our last after show. And for those who don't have access, we'll, we'll, we'll loop you in here to some of that conversation. But we basically were talking about how, you know, that device, the Mercury that we saw, looked like an iPhone reference yeah, design. Yeah. You know, so to, so to answer that question, right, I think Priv is kind of that pinnacle of what we're going to see BlackBerry innovate around in terms of how far they're willing to go to homogenize themselves, right? Where that was clearly, you know, a Samsung with the heart of an LG, right, to, you know, in the vaguest of terms. However, if that's still being said... It's still kind of uniquely BlackBerry, you know. It clearly has that BlackBerry touch on it, and I feel like subsequent devices we're going to see more of a breakout between, obviously, what we're seeing on the right hand side, which is these kind of all touch devices, and then these very, very, very typical BlackBerry type devices. Here's a here's a uh, a random thought I had the other day, guys, and I wanted to see what you guys thought about it. If BlackBerry goes to TCL in China for their mid range, right? goes to OnePlus in China, right, for the Argon, and then all the QWERTY devices are BlackBerry, quote-unquote, built, you know, where they really are putting their design efforts into building the next best QWERTY device. And these all-touch phones are just great all-touch phones, you know, that you don't have to go out of your way to really, really, you know, make a lot of key differentiators on that hardware, you know, story. Going to other players in the market and doing a reference design 
it could be something that at least for all touch devices just makes more financial sense, you know? Yeah, I could Especially definitely see it for all touch devices. And if they did a OnePlus, you know the market would go crazy, right? Even if they went to like a ZTE or something like that and just, you know, worked on a partnership there and built another device. I think it's good, but at the same time, the conversation around what this device is compared to what, you know, what BlackBerry was in the past, that line still definitely needs to be drawn. What about you, Alex? Could you see BlackBerry, you know, going to OnePlus and getting them to build maybe not, you know, a total replica, but maybe an older model design with a slightly updated specs or something like that, you know, where they're taking some of the pieces they've worked with and ultimately applying those toward a BlackBerry reference. Do you see maybe something like that could happen with a device like an Argon, or do you kind of see them going more toward the priv where, you know, it has the logo on the front. It's clearly not just a reference. It's something they engineered. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's probably the route going forward it, to find some type of partner just like they did Alcatel, but if they do produce a phone themselves, then it needs to just have a, QWERTY, a physical QWERTY keyboard. If it doesn't, I don't understand why. And maybe even have like OnePlus or some company like that, like them build the physical keyboard and they are the ones that like oversee it and things like that, but maybe let them use some of the patents or like I don't really know. I just, I just think more and more BlackBerry kind of needs to get out of the hardware business from them personally doing it because you know hardware isn't the future anyway like even Apple like they're selling less and less hardware each year and they're seeing like shoot we need to focus more on software we need this recurring revenue we need you know hardware people are buying phones less and less you could buy a phone and keep it for four years now and and the new phones coming four years later really aren't that much more powerful it's hardware is just not the way of the future anymore so I think sure he said the exact same thing yeah well, it makes sense. Yeah. So, but I, you know, back then I, I think still. too, I didn't want to believe it. Like I love BlackBerry hardware. I didn't want them to get out of it. I, but like now we're slowly seeing it that I'm finally accepting it for numerous reasons. I think it just does make sense. But the the other side of that is that I don't see, I don't understand why so many people see it as such a bad thing either, right? Why if BlackBerry did manage to go ahead and successfully exit the hardware and the software side of the business was doing absolutely as well as it possibly could, then what's the problem? Like, I don't understand. Like, every if you look on the Internet, you look at all of the articles discussing BlackBerry exiting hardware, the majority of them, in at least in the comment sections, are basically like, why did you write this? This is terrible. No, BlackBerry should stay in hardware. No, no, no. But why? Why? If it's not being why profitable, why, why? <laughs> why? Why would you stay in a business that's not being profitable? It'd be like if me owning a convenience store in the middle of nowhere that gets one customer per year. Like, why would I do that? Yeah. You know, you're here's, the, here's the here's the rub, Blaze. Right? It's like, how do you let go of doing something that you're good at? Right. You know, it's like I don't need. I don't need this, but I want it. And that's John Chen's fight right now. It's like, but when it costs billions money. of dollars, I'm, I'm glad to let it go. <laughs> it's just like right now, right? BlackBerry is weaning themselves out of the hardware game, but at the same time, building better and better phones than they ever have, you know, or offering to customers better and better phones than they ever have. And it's like at some point, either something's got to give or you got to get out, you know? And I think by the end of this year, we're going to know which way it's gone. Is it, I'm happy to say at least that 
I have the last BlackBerry 10 device there that has built, and I'm waiting for 10.3.3 in this NIAP certification, and I'm just going to blame the government for the delay at this point because BlackBerry's got enough slack as is, right? It's probably bad that I'm like, I, I go out of my way to not use my Silver Edition Passport because I know that chances are it's probably the last device, and I don't want to damage it in any sort of way or anything. <laughs> right. I almost want to get it damaged and, and bruised and broken to a degree <laughs> just to say that it lived, you know, that it actually was used for something. I don't know, man. I'm, I do like this DTEK 50. Even the battery for me, like, even with my heavy gaming and stuff like that has been just kind of rock solid. And the fact that it came with that massive battery, you know, only makes it even, even more of a buy-in, especially as... Because the thing can be used for anything, really. You know, I could take my tablet out and, and go do that or, or whatever the case. I don't know, Alex. I think you should really start steering some of your clientele, and by clientele, I mean your family and friends, toward a D-Tech 50 device. I, I have some pushover actual like businesses, but I, a lot of them are going just the iPhone route, and it is sick to my stomach because it makes me, like, whatever. <laughs> Man, you mean, buy, like, seven iPhones. <laughs> It's but not I, like though you know I detect fifties for the amount of the iPhones that you though, buy. I actually so here's actually something interesting. They one of my clients they were buying every single new employee like an iPhone six off contract. It was like seven hundred bucks or whatever, and they're putting on their own individual plan. And one of the things that I do is I help them set up bring your own device. And it's like you know your employee really doesn't want to carry two phones with them. Normally the employee has an iPhone six and now they're carrying another iPhone six with them and one's work, one's personal. So I go in there and I set up software to make it so they can run everything work-related just on their personal phone so they only need one device. And it's also like, and now you don't have to spend $800 for every new employee plus you know, a Verizon plan plus this, that, that. So I'm trying to actually get them away from even buying devices and just pushing BYOD. So I'm not even like trying to push the device sales. This, I think BlackBerry is more in like corporate, corporate, like... We have 10,000 employees and maybe 500 of them or 5,000 of them want a physical device and then here's where we'll mass buy them. I am really, really interested to see kind of where the next couple months are going to take BlackBerry. Because it has been a quiet summer, guys, and I think things are going to change here very quickly as we head into this fall season and obviously into winter as well. Some things BlackBerry needs to do right now is growth. They've kind of laid down a new layer of sod. They've laid down new seed. They've been watering, right? It's now can they grow new. And things like radar are definitely going to be coming to a head here. We're starting to see like more medium materials running around for the for the program. It looks like it's hitting some kind of, I guess, actual release past these proof, two proof of concepts that they did for it. And I'm hoping we start seeing even more just BlackBerry IoT stuff in general. Like things like the HBox and things like that, I'd love to see. And maybe, again, it, when we look at BlackBerry's hardware business and we look at things like Radar and we look at things like the DTEK50, it's like they've already left the hardware. But at the end of the day, they've even done more than that. It's like they've evolved the hardware business to be more mature to the market in which it lives in. You know, The market that they were in wasn't going to buy a prayer for $700, right? but is more inclined to buy a 299 DTEK 50 that has similar performance, right? And, of course, you know, reusing and getting different hardware partners to build you things like radar and 
getting partnered with a reference for TCL and things like that shows that BlackBerry is a lot more fluid in how they're actually going to be coming to market. And I'm excited to see what else they're going to bring because right now they're seeing the wider evolution of their hardware strategy play in deeper to the roots of what their core software offering is. And that's like QNX and, you know, obviously the, the NOC infrastructure and all of that. When you tie okay. in the MDM stuff that they have in the middle, I mean, it could do when a lot. When is 10.3.3 coming? <laughs> I'm, I'm, August isn't over yet, right? They haven't lied yet. <laughs> they still got some runway. I'm thinking they got it, and they're just trying to like get with the carriers right now and figure out how it's going to go. Like, Again, it's almost like if you haven't kept the vein going, it's going to be hard to pump blood through it, you know, especially yeah. with some of these carrier partners. I wanted to talk a little bit about something that uh, – we got tweeted at earlier, Blaze, is that Rogers in Canada has a really, really aggressive deal on Priv right now for enterprise users. So if you go to enterprise.rogers.com and you're looking for like an enterprise device for your business, you can get a Priv for zero down, which is a really good deal. That's compared to like the zero down you're going to get like on an iPhone SE and like just the devices in terms of like productivity, security, all of that is, is pretty monumental. So really some good stuff going over there. The carrier sales teams that are working in Canada continue to grind out and just try to get that job done. So I'm glad that they're staying, you know, aggressive in those key markets. And I think that focus is super important to them continuing to to grow. I'm interested to see like what's going to happen with this BBM Discover tab. Like, give me something I want to go there for, and maybe like I'll get. Right. It. But right now, it's just not happening, man. Right now, it's three little icons that are kind of like a waste of screen display space. Yeah. <laughs> I just like the UI better with the shop icon there. I don't know why. Maybe because the mobile applications were used to the shopping cart kind of, you know, being there. I like that personally, but ugh, I digress. Let's hop on this after show, gentlemen. Let's talk about BlackBerry and Samsung and some other player in the Android space take on security. And we'll talk a little bit about how the gambit for security, especially on Android, just continues to rise. If you guys want to check out our BerryFlow upstream after show, just go to berryflow.com forward slash Patreon. It's a really cool page. We've got a bunch of stuff over there. It really allows support for our site, this podcast. We pay Alex to do some things. Like he just had a heart attack the other night when uh, <laughs> some security stuff went awry on uh, on Berryflow, and he spent many hours getting that up and uh, getting it back up in action. So we appreciate that, Alex. Of course, definitely. That's what I do. Alex is like, holy crap. Flow. Berry flow is too fat. It is. The Note 7 is like still $600 on Rogers Enterprise. I actually have an enterprise account. So. Really? Right. Yeah, it's still $700. Jeez. Right. And then like you get a priv and it's like you get the curved screen. Like you get right? almost the same form factor in terms of screen size. Like well, you need a pen. Do your, your people really need a pen? Like I mean and an iris scanner? Like I'm done. But we'll, we'll talk more about that in our after show. Definitely go check that out. We'll catch you guys next week. Yep. Later, guys. Peace out.